Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. YouTube has been around for a very long time. I feel like now all of a sudden they're realizing that as much as they did dominate the video market, they have very much in the past two or three years realized... What's up, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time. I'm Grace. I'm here with my brother, business partner, Elliot. And we're here to give you the download on everything happening on the internet this week. There's a lot of things happening on the internet, as there are every week, because we're in a pandemic and, I mean, pretty much everything happens over the internet these days. And we are in week four, week five of lockdown now. Mm. I, How are you feeling? Bloody Delta. You're, yeah. you're a little rascal. A little cheeky Delta. A little, little rascal, aren't you? So this is a funny story to kick off the podcast. We have our, like, click team meetings quite regularly throughout the week. Elliot doesn't usually join them he's usually streaming or like he's not actually working at click every day so he's not always there but this week he wanted to join them and I was like huh interesting like Elliot must really be struggling living alone (laughs) he's wanting to join the work calls as like (laughs) means for interaction and I was like Elliot how are you going he joined the call and he's like you know it's bad and he pans the camera and he's like scrubbing his stove (laughs) yeah I was literally well so like last time we went into a lockdown in Sydney I uh I had a friend who was living with me so I had like human interaction in Mm -hmm. the house but like now I don't have anyone living with me. So it's just me and my brain and I go home and I'm just sitting there on a couch watching, re-watching an Avengers movie for the 14th time. And I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? I yeah, literally. Do you know what I hate? I was saying this to you the other day, but I hate the feeling of feeling as though you're waiting like mm. that we're spending part of our lives waiting for something to be yeah. over. Like I fucking hate that feeling. Which is, this is now very unrelatable for most people who listen to this because UK is what come in, like they they basically completely ended lockdown. Yeah. The UK was basically like, ah, fuck it. Let's just go. <laughs> yeah. Like I think they actually did have a decent amount of people vaccinated, but uh, I think their, but I think their medical system is still pretty hammered at the moment. Yeah, I think it got to, I think the the sort of generally accepted stuff was that it should get to 80% vaccinated. Yeah. And, and then you 60. can open up and they were at like 63 and they were like, oh, fuck it, close yeah. enough. <laughs> Meanwhile, Australia is at what, like 12%. It's so bad. Australia we're is the so worst in the behind. world. Our, our politicians were, because we had COVID so under control, like we basically got rid of it entirely. Yeah. So I think when it came to negotiating for vaccine supply, our politicians clearly like, you know, they went to the meeting with Pfizer and Pfizer was like, well, look, like guys, we can put you at the top of the line. Like, I think you'd be a great fit. But like, you know, obviously like you're going to have to pay like the premium because we've got a lot of countries who want this vaccine. And our politician was like, oh no, COVID is not an issue for us. We shan't pay your premium. We don't care when we get the vaccine. And now we're fucked. Literally. (laughs) But I saw, actually you posted this in our, uh, in the group chat that we have, but it was like, it was doing the maths of like how much having our economy in lockdown costs every day, like how much it costs. And, um, and it was, and the maths was something like, if you added up all the days we'd been in lockdown, 
uh, and you and how much that has cost our economy. We could literally, as a country, purchase Pfizer, take it private, <laughs> and then allocate all the vaccines to Australia and have the company as like an asset. Like that is literally the the maths behind how it's expensive. So the shutdown has been. And the fact that our government was just being like a little bit stingy over a few dollars on getting it first versus getting it last. Oh my God. It was one of those situations where it's just like, guys, like read the room, know what position you're in. Like this is not the time to like negotiate. Yeah. Is OPEC, OPEC refers to like the top, uh, like, like first world developed countries, right? Mm -hmm. We're ranked last. Yeah. So in, out of all 30 something uh, countries in OPEC, uh, Australia is ranked last. Yeah. So we literally went from being the poster child along with New Zealand of like handling a COVID outbreak. Well, like global gold standard to back of the line. Holy crap. You guys suck. Yeah. And I feel like, Oh, I feel like we're going to be here a while. Dude. Have you seen the Olympics? Yeah. 63 cases this morning of positive people at the Olympics. Like actual athletes, most of them as well, probably. Or at least some of them. That's pretty bad. But imagine you've just trained. I was thinking about this because I read about a couple that tested positive. Imagine training your whole life from, you know, you're probably like seven years old. Your dad's taking you out to the running track in the morning. You're training, training, training. 10, 15 years later, after training almost every day of your life, you finally get to the Olympics and then one day you wake up and you're like, oh, got a bit of a bit of a sniffle. Oh, <laughs> guess that's my life dreams down the drain. Like literally worked 15 years to get to the Olympics. And the thing is, a lot of the time, depending on the sport, obviously, you only get like one or two shots at the Olympics. Like there is a golden window there of like, I'm good to compete. And it's about eight years. Yeah. So you probably got really two, uh, three I shots. I think it's going to be really interesting how the Olympics handles it. I read this morning that the guy was like, it's, we're not at a point where we couldn't cancel it. They're like, we could cancel this. 63 people. Like, you know, when it's 63, it's hard to get that back under control really quickly. Yeah. I mean, these are people that have been in the village and infectious. They're not, they're not canceling it. I don't think they will, but I think they're, I think this is not an ideal outcome. It's like one or two or at 63 people. Positive. I just can't imagine for Japan how awful it would be to. Oh. They, they've spent tens of billions of dollars oh. on building every. Like you don't just throw an Olympics. You have to build villages. You have yeah. to build <laughs> stadiums. You have to the level of infrastructure investment you need to put on an Olympics is absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. And the only way that you hypothetically ever make that back is, oh, you're showing your country off to the world, encouraging tourism, like interest, just all that kind of thing. Nope. A, no tourism, like far out. People aren't, no one's flying in for this Olympics and no one's flying into Japan for the next couple of years, even if, even if they liked what they saw during these Olympics. And the thing is, it's not even really, even putting the Olympics on is no longer like a positive look, a positive image for Japan because it really is just showing off kind of a sad state of affairs, big empty stadiums, yeah. uh, controversy. It's a bit bloody depressing. Yeah, it's 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 quite a depressing Olympics. So in no way is it putting like a good frame on the country and it it just sucks. But also they're there in a position like, oh my God, we've just spent $20 billion building all this stuff and like organizing everything to put it on. Do we just 
can, can it? Like, no. And apparently it's also not that easy because apparently then the Olympic committee can be like, no, 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 we have a contract with you where you said that you were going to th- put this on. And if you break the contract, then we fine you even more money. Yeah. So it's like they're already. The whole thing's a bit of a clusterfuck, really. Oh, my God. Oh. You know what else has happened um, in the period that I was thinking about? I was thinking about this this morning when I was reading the news. In the period of time that we have been stuck in lockdown and not able to leave our houses, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos have been to space. Mm, They have travelled. Socially distanced. They have travelled a very long way compared to us. Fucked. You you know what I realised was funny? I'm swearing a lot this podcast. Sorry, guys. Yeah, you are. Um, Dad's not going to be happy. So our lockdown rule is we can't travel more than, uh, I think, five kilometres now um, away from your home. And I and someone put this to me in a really funny way that I, I just love is the gov. There is now a legally like mandated rule that you're allowed. You can go for a, you can walk. You're allowed to exercise outdoors. You can go like you know yeah. Go around a running track for fifty kilometers. Do whatever you want. But there is now a government mandated rule. You're not allowed to walk in more than a straight in a straight line for more than five kilometers. What? You can zigzag more than five kilometers, but you legally cannot walk in a straight line from your house for more than five kilometers. And I don't know why I find that hilarious. The government just being like, you kind of do whatever you want. You can go in zigzags and go in circles, but you're not allowed to walk in a straight line. You know what I saw that was really funny was a photo of Bondi, which is like where I live. And someone that had posted on a Facebook group being like, when will Bondi residents start to petition that we should have a circumference of greater than 10 kilometers because half of our circumference is in the water. Cause Bondi is on the coast. <laughs> and I was just like, shit. <laughs> I was like, this is the essence of it for you. Anyway, anyway, though, we've had, uh, there's also been actual industry platform news, uh, besides the fact of us being in lockdown, which is, uh, YouTube has finally after the weirdest rollout of a feature that I think I've ever seen yeah. really don't, like the way that they did it. Felt a little messy. Is what it is. Uh, They finally officially rolled out the YouTube shorts function, which is effectively TikTok on YouTube. I agree. It's like when we even, when you were like, oh, we got to talk about how they've rolled out shorts. I was like, well, we've had shorts for a while. It's, But it was kind of in a little bit of a clunky way. It's so strange. I don't, I don't really understand. Sometimes YouTube does things and I think they do them really well. And I think actually a lot of the time YouTube's so ahead of the game uh, that people will kind of hate the fact. Like, you know, for example, when they introduced a copyright strike system to YouTube, yeah. they did that years before Twitch did. And everyone was like, oh, screw YouTube for having copyright strikes. But because they launched it early, they actually have a really incredible system where there's yeah. like a whole appeals process. Like, by granted, it's not perfect. It tells you what you're getting copyright striked for. Um, and Twitch is now just fully just DMCAing everyone if they ever mm-hmm. do anything and it's broken. So YouTube, a lot of the time, is very ahead of the game and they launch features in a really, really good way. Mm. But the shorts system, basically, if you're not aware, they kind of launched shorts like seven or eight months ago. First, they launched YouTube stories, which I think they've now kind of taken away. So let or- me put this to you. Do you think that the whole shorts stories and the fact that it felt a little bit rushed was maybe that it was a bit rushed and it was a bit of a knee jerk reaction to TikTok's meteoric, meteorotic, meteorotic, (laughs) meteoric, meteoric rise. Meteor erotic. (laughs) 
a it's a niche industry. Medio erotica. Oh, um, we've been in lockdown for too long. Yeah, I literally crazy. cannot speak. Um, so in response to TikTok's colossal rise yeah. of short form video content, which is also really interesting. I was speaking to a creator the other day and we were talking about how like TikTok was really a platform for her content. And I was saying how, yeah, that short form content works really well. And it's funny because I would have used to call YouTube short form content, but I feel like YouTube is now like medium form content yeah. and TikTok and TikTok really has redefined what short form content yeah. can be at its best form. I I think maybe the shorts and stories and the fact that that did feel like a little bit of a clunky rollout um, was maybe YouTube trying to have a little bit of a knee jerk reaction in response to how quickly TikTok was growing. And maybe they were, uh, I think audience transfer can happen really fast and those yeah. tides can change quick. Yeah. And I feel like TikTok really shifted some tides and shifted some viewership consumption habits away from YouTube and into that like super short form content. Yeah. Well, yeah. So for those who are unaware, when YouTube did that knee jerk reaction launch of shorts, it was weird. They clearly had the functionality because they launched it properly in set countries like India India mm. had the ability to have like a whole like upload a short option. Whereas for most of the world, like in Australia and America and everywhere else, if you wanted to upload a short, you had to just upload it as a video, but then put hashtag shorts. It was odd. In the tag. It was so weird. And it just didn't, it, I don't know. It's super strange. I've always found this is the the hardest thing. And I think this is YouTube as well. And I think this is a kind of a, uh, a small window into the broader thing we wanted to talk about today with this topic, which is YouTube um, well, platforms generally. And I think using this example, uh, specifically YouTube trying to take on other platforms and kind of uh, the, the kind of platform wars that happen, you know, for example, like when uh, Instagram added stories as an answer to the fact that Snapchat was gaining traction because of their story function. Mm -hmm. So the way platforms kind of fight between each other and YouTube has been around for a very long time. And I feel like now all of a sudden they're realizing that as much as they did dominate the video market, they have very much in the past two or three years realized there are all these other forms of video content out there. Yeah. And YouTube's like, Oh my God, we need like, whether or not it's them hedging their bets or whether or not it's them thinking, no, 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 we should be able to own all these areas and be the home for everything. They've now been getting into stories like we've, well, like we were talking about just before they've, uh, obviously been investing heavily in trying to build out the live streaming side of the platform. And then obviously now shorts as well. They're really trying to broaden into, mm -hmm. and, and also they've now um, gotten rid of Google movies and they've shifted that entirely yes. onto YouTube which is awful because I actually had a library of 200 movies that I'd bought and I now can't find them on the YouTube app. It's completely loss. broken. It's really awful. Thank you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so when they roll these functions out, it's often in a slightly confusing way. And I think the thing that YouTube's now struggling with because of all these different features they keep adding is how to separate them, how to, how to actually have them all housed on a single app without actually kind of feeling messy because right now shorts are in your sub box, live yeah. streams are in your sub box, videos are in your sub box. And I know that for me personally, the big thing that as a creator pushes me away from using a lot of things like shorts 
uh, is I didn't want to like spam my viewers sub boxes with a whole bunch of yeah. shorts videos. Same with live streams. That was a hesitation I had early on with live streams. Didn't love that they appeared in, su in subscription boxes. Yeah. And I, I think that this is definitely, now there's just so much different content types that you can put on YouTube that segregating up more and more is becoming a harder and harder thing. Do you think that even one platform should be the home for all forms of video content, like mm. just playing devil's advocate. But, you know, I think you see an example of platforms trying to be everything and sometimes it doesn't work. Like I think Instagram with Instagram, they've got the feed, they've got reels, they've got stories, they've got marketplace, they've got a lot going on. And for me, I feel like reels is always like quite difficult to navigate and I feel like it's never been fully integrated. I think they did it brilliantly with stories though, to their credit. Yeah. I think even with Facebook, like Facebook's got the feed, it's got news, it's got marketplace, it's got Facebook gaming. And I think a lot of people like get a little bit confused as to what's going on and who these platforms are trying to be yeah. like is part of the magic of TikTok that you just know what you're going for and you know what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what I, why I think that uh, TikTok like getting kind of shorts and TikToks, whatever we're going to call them to work on a new platform is much harder. And I think one of the reasons that TikTok was able, sorry, Instagram was able to get stories up and running really quickly is effectively it's just showing short videos from people you follow. Like that yeah. was really the main way you consume stories. TikTok and shorts are similar to YouTube videos where they rely almost exclusively on an algorithm. Yeah. Like it's about the platform learning and understanding what shorts you want to consume and then making sure they can deliver them to you. So you mm -hmm. keep swiping and keep watching and you can't just switch that on. You need to actually build out that algorithm as a product. Yeah. And the TikTok algorithm, I don't know, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I think is brilliant. I think is absolutely yeah. top tier on all the platforms. And I think if you look at most people's consumption habits on TikTok, they're spending a lot more time on the For You page than they are on their following feed. Mm. And I think if you look at Instagram, it's kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. It's like you need to already be following people to discover great new to discover content. Like I actually think Instagram is not great at allowing you to discover more content. And I think it's interesting that this week as well, Instagram, the head of Instagram um, came out and announced some of the changes that they'll be making. And, and, you know, without saying it pretty much made clear that they don't want to be known as the platform for uploading, you know, pretty photos, square, pretty photos anymore. Mm. They're heavily focused on video. They're heavily focused on creators and monetizing the experience for creators and they're focused on their marketplace as well. Yeah. I mean, my, to answer your question, do I think one platform should have them all? I think what I often think about is just the fact that as an industry, like as much as it feels like we've been in this whole like creator creation industry for a while now, and it's been evolutions since MySpace to Facebook to all these things coming out. I think we're very much now at a stage where it is still very young, but really, if you look at all the big platforms, if you really kind of name and look, you've got Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and they're kind of all just platforms that started because they discovered a niche, mm. a, a product service, like a digital yep. kind of entertainment option that wasn't being serviced. And they were the first one to do it. And because they were the first one to do it, they got a huge amount of market share for that specific product. Yes. Now, just because that's how they got their market share to where they are right now, I don't necessarily think that means that uh, that 
they should hold on to it and one platform shouldn't be able to take it. I mean, mm-hmm. you did, you saw the problem that you have right now though, is just that I think platforms are really struggling to understand how to take that other, uh, that other company's market share for that product and how to integrate that different product into their own. So for example, uh, I, I think a really good example is Snapchat mm. because Snapchat had a product that was unique to them stories, but also for the reasons we discussed, it was much easier to steal and repurpose. Instagram could just make um, stories work on their app super easily. They didn't even need to create a new section. They literally added a circle around people's profile pictures and a little bar at the top of your feed. That's it. That's the whole thing. We've got like that whole product. It's integrated perfectly. It's not intrusive. It doesn't really split time. And it just works. And this is already where people share stuff and share their lives with people who actually care and want to follow their lives. Mm. Now, I think it's, it, it's not that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, yeah, it's not that platforms are doing a worse job, but it's just that suddenly we're now talking about products that are vastly different from one another. And you're watching these platforms try and fight over ways they can integrate these products. So all of a sudden you've got, uh, you know, platforms like Instagram that are traditionally mainly just uh, photo, sharing. photo sharing. And even if it was video content like stories, just sharing videos between like your life, what you're doing. So it's really just people are interested in that content because they're following you versus TikToks that require a whole algorithm to function. Then on the YouTube side, you've got traditionally medium to long form content, five minutes to say 20. And they're all of a sudden trying to fit in 30, 60 second videos that just don't fit naturally on. It's an entirely different viewing experience Mm. when you go onto an app to flick through 30 second short form entertainment versus sit down for a 10 minute video. Do you think there are also, and I, I think this does feed into it and I'm not sure what the answer is, but there's just different phases in content consumption and what people want to consume and what's popular to consume in the moment. Like even if I think about the last... 10 to 15 years of social media content consumption. I'm not talking, I'm going to leave out TV, movies, Netflix and that sort of thing because I feel like that's a whole nother kettle of fish. But I feel like you look and like 10 to 12 years ago, YouTube was really present. You know, this is like pre-Instagram even. Like YouTube was there. People were consuming YouTube videos, not obviously to the same extent they are now, but it was there. People were used to that kind of like between five to 20 minute episodic content creator consumption. Then Instagram came in. Instagram blew up very quickly, photo sharing apps. Snapchat really came in. There was that element that was then post implemented into Instagram. Mm. And then there was um, TikTok that came in. And I remember like when TikTok started and you, you as well, I think would admit this, you were like, how much more do we need? Like we have YouTube, we have stories, we have Instagram. And now it's like, no, TikTok really has carved, they've absolutely hit a nail on the head and they have like found a genre of content that exists 
that people wanted. They didn't even know they wanted it and they wanted it. Mm. And it's like there are these different phases of content consumption. Each of those platforms have kind of served a purpose as being the primary platform for each of those phases. You know, there was there was YouTube and there is YouTube. There is Instagram, which was, you know, primarily known for this one thing and now they're trying to sort of broaden out and be everything. But how do you think – I mean, I think there's just – part of this where it's like it's really hard for platforms to say not even on the pulse but like ahead of the pulse and anticipating what kind of content people want to consume before mm. they've consumed it or before the people even know that that's what they want like I don't know what's coming after TikTok what is the next big trend because I feel like there are massive trends in the way people want to consume content and I wouldn't have picked TikTok three years ago uh, but now you know it's it's probably one of the biggest content creator platforms in the world. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's really hard to predict. Is that your question? Like where you think the industry is going? I don't Do even you know think? if it's a question. I think I it's just like, like a comment. I think it's just like a, this is like a function of the industry is it's like these platforms have to try and be everything to everyone, even though that's not really what they were great for and how they yeah. built their audience in the first place. Yeah. And it's like a function of what's next, you know? Yeah. That is the problem, I think, to really take over these products, whatever the platform that is trying to like take that market share, they've got to be doing it better. And it is really hard to do a lot of these things better because yeah. you're trying to fit something that doesn't fit perfectly onto your platform that you've built entirely for a different product. And oftentimes these platforms are so great at the start because they're so pure. And they're so easy to understand. It's like you used to inst open Instagram and it was like, oh, you're on the feed. You're scrolling. You're yeah. there. Now it's like, well, are you going to Reels? Are you going to Marketplace? How are you searching for something? Like it's kind of convoluted. You know what I wonder if if one of these would happen? I actually don't think it could just because I think these companies are now too big. But the one I could see it happening with is does one of these big companies purchase Twitch? Like everyone's talking about the streamer wars, you know, the platform's trying to pull streamers away with with contracts. At a certain point, does one of these big companies just go, instead of fighting for this segment of the market, let's just purchase it? Like apart from Amazon? Yeah, because currently when I think about it, you know, Google owns YouTube, right? Yeah. So they've got a huge investment in that broader ecosystem of online content creation. Mm -hmm. Facebook and Instagram obviously have that huge investment in online creation yeah. content where people are viewing stuff as well. Amazon out of all of them is dipping a toe in more, but they're not as invested. And Amazon Twitch is not a priority product for Amazon. For Amazon no. So I wonder if YouTube could find a way to come in, buy Twitch and then somehow just shift every Twitch streamer and viewer into the YouTube system. They would do it. I, I think though that they just don't think they could pull that off. I don't think there's a way they could buy Twitch and phase Twitch into YouTube. The branding and the, no. and the communities are too different. And but, I think the tech underlying is fundamentally very different as well. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think it is super interesting how all these companies that are going. That is an interesting theory. Yeah. It is super interesting how all these companies are, are trying to fight each other for these market share and all these different products. I think that yeah. um, I think the only example where it's been super successful is Instagram taking out Snapchat with the stories function. Yeah. It just, and that was really because the stories function was perfectly suited to be stolen. It didn't rely on any heavy algorithm thing. Things. It fit the existing product that Instagram had and they were able to do it in a really smooth way. Now, I do think that YouTube is doing a better job with shorts. I think if you look at shorts on YouTube, 
they're managing to kind of, they've now created a whole different section for them on mobile so that if you do want a, a shorts feeling experience, you can literally just change yeah. the mode of the app into shorts mode. I do think from a creator standpoint, they need to differentiate them a bit more, mm-hmm. but long story short, I, I think YouTube's doing a better job with shorts. Now, is it going to be enough to defeat TikTok? Who knows? And you know what? I actually think one of the smartest things that TikTok did where with their platform was they, whenever you posted a video on their platform, it automatically watermarked and tagged Mm -hmm. the video with a TikTok bit of branding in the bottom right-hand corner. But it also makes it exceptionally easy to share. Yeah. But made it exceptionally easy to share, which means now when you have Instagram and YouTube opening up their shorts functions, a lot of the time what they're doing a lot of the time what creators are doing are, are just reposting their old their their old TikToks on there. But it makes the Instagram and YouTube products feel like a B-grade knockoff. Yes. Not because of any issue with their product, but just the fact that there's a little TikTok watermark in the corner. You're like, oh, okay, so I see this is ripped from TikTok. And yeah. even though that doesn't fundamentally change the content, it does make YouTube feel like it makes them feel like a secondary platform. It makes and TikTok- also Instagram is like advertising their competitor. (laughs) Yeah, literally. And I think actually Instagram came out and basically they didn't directly address TikTok, but they said, just so you know, uh, we've now added in a, in a function that detects, uh, when, uh, when a video was not natively housed on Instagram (laughs) and we will be, uh, suggesting those videos less. That is so petty. Fuck. I love it when platforms are petty, but also smart. Also pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty though, I think that uh, kind of wraps us on a little platform war update, although it's obviously an ever-evolving topic, so I can't wait to go back and talk about it more and also come back to this in a few weeks after YouTube short function has been sitting there for a while. Some of the views are absolutely insane. I always find that crazy with shorts. Like we have this metric in our brains of like what good viewership on a video is. And normally for a normal YouTube creator, it can be anywhere in the six figures. Whereas to, you know, big creators, you know, five, six million, and then Mr. Beast pushing like 20, 30, 40 million. I've been like browsing the shorts function. It is insane. You'll literally just be like randomly looking through YouTube videos. All of a sudden a short pops up, went up five days ago. That's at like 140 million views. And it's awful. It is like genuinely awful content. Really bizarre. I mean, I think it kind of goes back to that thing where YouTube is wanting to encourage use of their new functions. Well, exactly. And nothing encourages creators on your platform, like giving them big numbers, even if Mm -hmm. that doesn't convert necessarily to revenue. I just think seeing performance is very addictive, keeps people going. Did you see that Booger got his Fortnite skin? Yeah, I did. What did you think about it? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the icon skin series is really cool. Uh, I think it was cooler when I got my one. Um, I have a prediction. I have no insider info on this. Um, but I will predict, uh, Cypher PK is going to be the next one. Oh yeah. You know why? Cause every single time, uh, icon skin has come out before you can tell on his live streams that he's like being real salty about it and like being like a little bit like, you know, everyone wants an icon skin this time. He was not salty. Oh, he really? He was smug. Yeah, 100%. What do you no mean? To, I, he was just too happy. He was too happy on stream. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, Like Booger. too happy for Booger? Yeah. He was just like, oh, yeah, nice icon skin. Yeah. Like, you know, like oh, whereas in the like past, he- you're like, oh, yeah, dude, like another, like whatever, you know, big, 
big change. And then also, like, on the same uh, on that same day, he tweeted uh, like big things coming in the next few months. Like on the same day that Booger uh, Skin got announced. Like very much. Like, is he a petty person usually? No, I don't think it's pettiness. I'm by, by all means, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's petty, but I think there is like a level of jealousy among, uh, like wanting to get, you know, you're an icon skin. Like it's yeah. a, it's a cool thing. Um, and he, th- there was a noticeable shift, definitely. Si- and and he would be one of the. I'm trying to think what other creators, what other what other big creators there are that don't have them. And really in you. Fortnite. Well, in Fortnite right now, there's what? Me, Fresh, Cypher, uh, Twins. I'm sure there's some other creators who I just don't know because, like, they're just not yeah. my viewing ecosystem. Like, you literally have you know blind who's spots. popping right now? Ozzy. Ozzy and the Twins are both mm. top 10 Fortnite streamers right who, now who, manage, who manages them? Wow. I <laughs> mm. um, yeah, no, but but I thought it was cool. I like how they launch icon skins for the tournament. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, and obviously I think Booger was a... a obvious choice, I guess, for the whole World Cup element. Although I don't think he's really pivoted into content as hard as he could. Like, I I think that he could have, I think he could have like really kind of capitalized off the Fortnite World Cup win and gone huge into daily video making. Because don't get me wrong, I reckon he did well off winning the Fortnite World Cup. I mean, obviously there was the million dollar payout initially. Then, you know, I'm sure he got a lot of like sponsorships and stuff off the back of that, maybe like another one to two mil. But like if he had built a giant oh, content channel off that, harder. I think he could have. I think he could have blown up and done something really big on the content side. Yeah. That's weird. Aussie Antics just texted me as well. Oh, he knows. He knows. Yeah, I think I think it's really cool. I mean, it's interesting. I'd love to know the behind the scenes, like engagement and numbers mm. compared to like when Ninjas first dropped. I feel like the the social relevancy of Fortnite, like, isn't where it once was. And it's actually interesting, like, Sean did a really good tweet, Aussie Antics did a good tweet um, last week, and and I resonated with it. He was like, it's kind of a weird time to be in the games industry. I feel like there's a lot of people that are just kind of, like, waiting for the next big thing, Mm. which I do agree with, and I feel like that kind of, like, sort of peters out into all facets of the industry, but... Yeah, and there's nothing big that it looks like is on the horizon. I don't, yeah. And I'd love to think that it doesn't matter if we can't see it on the horizon because Fortnite really, like, came out of nowhere. Every game, every, every, every single big game with the exception of GTA came out of nowhere. Minecraft came out of nowhere. Among Us came out of nowhere. Fall Guys came out of nowhere. So I like to think that it doesn't matter. We can't see something on the horizon because you really never know. But I'm, I'm ready. Like, I'm ready for some... Excitement. Excitement. And giant games are exciting. It's like a big shakeup. It's exciting, yeah. And it's yeah. like thrilling to see that explosive growth, which you're right. Like it is addictive. Yeah. And that's what I think is like a tough thing about the games industry sometimes, actually. Like even in my experience, it's like going through that like 2018, 2019 period where it was just like such explosive growth and like everything's just so going wild. Wild. Yeah. And then now you're in a period where it's not that. And, like, there's obviously still amazing things happening and there are brilliant crea- creators out there doing cool things. But, um, yeah. I don't know, I miss, I miss that a little bit, I, I miss think. the hype. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And you saw the 100 Thieves Gucci backpack came yeah. out. I was surprised. I didn't think it was just going to be one item. I thought maybe they were doing, like, a, a like, selected um, so I, kind of collection. But Here's my thing. This is what I reckon. I don't know if I'm wrong. 
But this is the second item that Gucci's done with an esports org. First one was a watch. This one's the backpack. I wonder, because obviously if you, if you from the 100 Thieves perspective, there is no way that your choice of item is a backpack. If you're doing something with Gucci, as, like you you want to have a you want to have something that is like could be worn in any scenario, like whether it's a, a jumper yeah. or a shirt or a jacket or whatever it is, it's Gucci. I actually reckon Gucci is almost trying to, I don't know. I, I, I think that they're dipping their toes in this whole doing things with esports org thing, but they're not willing to cloud their core product, not only in a branding sense of making the, the Gucci branding be huge, but almost even in just like what the product is. I mm. think they, I think they will only partner on, and I, this isn't the word I'm looking for, but they're like, they're like B grade product. You know, they're never going to do the jackets, the shirts, the hoodies, the real classic items. I think they, they will do like sunglasses, watches, backpacks, belts, maybe, although belts are pretty like core Gucci. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about yeah, that. I, I don't think they're willing to do the core product because think about it. If, if, if Gucci come be like, Hey, hundred thieves. Yeah. We want to collab with you. Like, what do you want to do? Like, let's do any, anything you want. No way that hundred thieves comes back and says, let's do a backpack. Mm. That's a weird item. Same with a watch weird item. And you know, they're only dropping 200 of them. What? Yeah. 200. Yeah. Total. Total. That's weird. Isn't that weird? That's not a money-making exercise. It almost exercise. feels um, like it almost feels kind of tokenistic or like what are they doing, you know? Yeah. I know what you mean. What's what's the real sort of goal behind this I, but, project? But I mean, I think that that is kind of that, – that shows the goal, that it's not a money-making thing. And it's by no means a product that is meant to be widely distributed. It's kind of just being like from the hundred thieves angle, Hey, we're cool enough to work with Gucci. Part of me does wonder if Gucci just charges a fee to, you know, kind of like if you get like a rapid, a feature on your yeah. track, do, do you have to pay Gucci a fee to have them feature in your product or is it just, again, doesn't kind of matter. It's all the same thing. Is it just like the marketing? which is for Gucci, they're like, yeah, we want all the hype and the conversation around the fact yeah. that Gucci, our brand, Gucci, say it one more time, Gucci is partnering with esports orgs and it's basically free PR and free marketing and free advertising. And then for from Gucci's end, they're like, we're not compromising a core product. We're barely even giving them our brand. And we just get all this free chat. It's really interesting. 200 is nothing. Yeah. Like you think about how many people work at 100 Thieves and the talent and their investors, like the 200 could just go to family and friends. Yeah, literally. Like once you send one to Scooter, one to Drake, one to all of their leadership team, obviously wants yeah. one. Like there's not, these aren't selling no. in store. No, I don't even know. And they're all going to get bought up by bots instantly and then resold for dumb amounts. It's kind of interesting. I want to do some more research on this. I feel like I don't. Very strange. I, I mean, I see the value Obviously, I see the value for 100 Thieves, 100%. Like to say they've done a collaboration with Gucci, like sick. Who Gucci, cares free it's, PR. It doesn't matter that it's true. They don't care about no. making money. It's about like the, the positioning piece of being able to say 100 yeah. Thieves did a piece with Gucci. But um, mm, 
interesting. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd be interested to know what you guys think. I mean, it's it kind of translates. It's like there's no way, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, like we should get something last week. I think we said that. We were like, piece of history, whatever. Mm. Now I'm like, we're not going to get one of 200 pieces. No, definitely not. My God, no. And I'm not going to pay the $10,000 resale no. from whichever bot buys it quickest. All right. Well, guys, that about wraps us up for this week's episode of Watch Time. Thank you so much. It's really nice to have something to come in and get out of the house for <laughs> and record each week. Um, but we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.